Thank you, church. Good morning, everyone. Are you all good? Are you blessed? It is just such a joy to be back with everybody. I want to just lend my voice and say happy Father's Day. Uh, hey, you all got your gift, right? On, when you came in, the, that gaucho sauce. Let me just tell you, that is, when you get to heaven, that's what we're going to be drinking in heaven. And uh, you cook your steak medium rare, dip it in oil, a little bit of seasoning, let it sit before you put it on, and then cook that barbecue. I'm going home to cook myself a barbecue for Father's Day with my wife and my boys. And my boy went to kids' church today, praise God. It's so good to see I'm so glad to be up here. Every time I drive up here, I'm so privileged and, and so, I, lo- I love our city, I love the Adelaide Hills, the hills are alive, something's happening in the, in the house, so, so good to see anyone. If I haven't met you yet, nice to meet you, you look, you look fantastic. Every time I come up here, see I went to our church in Adelaide at 9 o'clock, had to do a bit of an announcement, it was pretty exciting and, and, uh, and then drove up here, I walk in here and I just think, man, they're a lot better looking in the hills than they are in Modbury. It's a, Really, Modbury, it's an ugly place, isn't it? They're, they really struggle. We're going to get in the Word this morning. The book of Exodus, chapter 3. And this is just a word that... I've got a, a fair chunk of Scripture this morning. I didn't give any advance notice to the words people back there who do a great job, by the way. People, let me tell you, the worship rises and falls on the words people. Whoever's doing lyrics, because you can have a church going deep into the presence of God, but if there is any hesitation in those words, the whole church hesitates, and so you guys at the back do an awesome job, we're so grateful for you, and uh, at the moment they're actually not, they're not paying any attention, they're doing online gambling back there, and uh, we know that. Exodus chapter 3, how many love Pastor Gary and Pastor Jane, aren't they amazing? You are such a blessing. Ex- I won't preach too long, we'll get you out of here for lunch at 1 o'clock, so let's get into Exodus 3, verse... Number one, Exodus 3, verse 1, New King James is what I read from, but whatever your preference is, go for it. As long as you're not reading the Book of Mormon, uh, that, is not, that is no longer recommended reading uh, at, at Infused Church, Exodus 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jericho, sorry, of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, the Lord called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, he said, here I am. Can I say that's a great thing to say when God calls us, when God wants to speak to us, when God pulls us into a moment. We say, God, here I am. Then he said, do do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off for the place where you stand is holy ground. In other words, holy ground, when when we see that word holy set apart and it belongs to the Lord. So that, 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 that place was a bush in a wilderness and suddenly God inhabited, it became his and it was a place to step into his presence. And anything that's holy belongs to God. The Bible says, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Today, it's a holy day, it's his day. It's a day where, although we have the pressures and, the, and all of the things that go on in our life, a holy day is a day where we say, God, this is, this is yours. And, and we're living in a world where everything's ours. But I, I love that when we gather today in the presence of God, we're saying, God, this is your time and we're here to, to celebrate you. But that's just, I digress a little bit. He says, verse 6, 
I'm going to read to verse 14, so stay with me. He says, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up to a land, to a good and large land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the places of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Vegemites, the Mosquitoites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I've seen the oppression from which the Egyptians oppressed them. Are you you still with me? Am I reading too much? Can we? And Adelaide can only handle three verses. I know Mount Barker, the air's a little clearer up here. So you can come now, therefore, and I'll send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people. I love that. Even though they're in oppression, they were still God's people, and he still had a plan. You bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children? Of Israel out of Egypt. He said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign that I've sent you when you have brought my people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to her, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Somebody say, I am who I am. He said, that, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. How many know that our God is the great I am? I love this story. There is so much. Uh, Every point that I'm going to bring today could be a message in and of itself. And there's just so much to this passage. It's a preacher's dream. You know, there's there's a thousand sermons you could pull from this. And so I'm going to preach all thousand of them this morning. But, But before I get into the the thoughts I have from the message, I just want to stop for a minute and have a look at this fire. Because when we see fire in Scripture, it can be a picture of many things, but oftentimes, and dare I even say most times, it's a, it's a type and a shadow of the Holy Ghost, of the Holy Spirit. And, and so we see types in Scripture in many different ways. I'll give you, I'll give you an example of a type. When uh, the children of Israel walked through the Red Sea, the Red Sea is a type of the blood of Jesus. They, walk, they, they, they get deliverance, how? Through the blood. They walk through the blood and, and it's part of, there's a way made for them. How many know Jesus made a way on Calvary by his blood? His blood makes a way. And so they walk through on dry ground, get to the other side. Then Pharaoh's army try to pull them back in. We all know the story. And then the Red Sea absolutely obliterates Pharaoh's army. And so they can't be pulled back in. What does the blood of Jesus do? It erases our past. When the devil tries to pull us back into the world, the blood of Jesus erases those things. And, and so this morning, I, I, I want to just show you that the Red Sea wasn't the blood of Jesus, but it's an Old Testament picture of the blood of Jesus. I had someone just the other day say to me, really, I'm more of a New Testament person. I, I like the New Testament. Uh, you know, I don't really spend much time in the Old Testament. It's more about the New Testament. And I, I think we've got to realize that the New Testament and the New Covenant, they're not the same thing. We are New Covenant people. Though we have an Old and a New Testament, the whole Bible is, is the Word of God. And it's like saying, I love lemons, but I'm not interested in the lemon tree. The whole Bible paints, it's one story. The Bible is one story. Man fell, needed a saviour. That saviour is Jesus. You accept Christ, he washes you clean, you spend eternity to heaven, bang, there's the Bible. And how good's the Word of God, by the way? 
And so the Bible talks types and shadows. So it'll talk about the Holy Spirit in different types and different ways and talk about fire and I'll come back to that, talk about oil, talk about water, talk about rain, talk about wind. And, and, uh, and so the, the best way to describe Old Testament typology, and this might be a bit of a crude, everyone can see this right here, right? You can see my hand in that shadow. Now, you can clearly see that the shadow that's being cast is the same shape as my hand. There's nothing in the shadow that contradicts the actual image or the actual, my actual hand. However, the, the detail here, you can't, you, you can't see my wedding ring. You can't see my palm print or my fingerprints or my cuticles or my nails. Or Now that I'm getting older, you get this less hair here and somehow it moves down to here. <laughs> and, but, but, but the shadow does not give you a full picture. But it is, you can tell that this is this, even though when you see this, there's so much more detail, cuticles. And, and, and so when we look at the Old Testament, it paints uh, shadows and pictures of what's to come. And so when, when it did come, or I don't like the word it, when he came, there was nothing in the Old Testament that contradicted it, but it was almost like there was an outline and the new covenant filled in the, the color and the... And so here we see fire. It's a type and it's a picture of the Holy Spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit, but it's a picture of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us that from this burning bush, the angel of the Lord spoke to Moses. Now, uh, it's interesting how the Bible says one thing and then I, I get up and I'm saying, well, it's actually this. But it's important when you see the term angel of the Lord, capital A, it's actually a picture of God himself. So God spoke from the bush. It wasn't actually an angel, it was God. And so God speaks to Moses from a burning bush. Now, he could have been dehydrated. He could have been seeing a whole lot of things. But, but when a bush talks to you in the middle of the wilderness and you're on your own and a bush catches fire, it doesn't consume and it starts to say, hey, Moses, take off your shoes. I need you to hang a little while. How many know that that got Moses' attention? And Moses was on the backside of the desert having made some mistakes, having done the, the, the right thing the wrong way, <coughs> the right motive but the wrong action murder, uh, Moses was in the middle of the, of the wilderness and he has an encounter with God and God begins to speak to him and, and really through the fire of God. And when I look at this story, there are, there are things that happen in this story, the significance of the burning bush. I see seven lessons, seven truths, seven ideas that I believe are p- connected to the fire of God. And, and Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist, he says, I baptize you with water for the remission of sin. But there's one coming, he's mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He says, he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Something about the fire of God that gets on a church. There's something about the fire of God that when it gets on God's people, something supernatural happens. Oh, I don't want to just be a cookie-cutter suburban South Aussie Christian. Oh man, there's a thousand churches in Adelaide. I don't want to. I don't want to be like the thousand churches in Adelaide. I want. I want the fire in the house. I, you walk, I walk in here. Naomi's got this place cooking during worship this morning. You walk in here. I get handed gaucho sauce, and then I feel the fire of God. There's no better. That's 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 revival. You walk in the power of God's in the house. And I went over to Pastor Gary and and said, "Do you know how rare it is just to see a worship team that just sing in tongues?" I can name churches across town that will tell you you're not allowed to. Sing in tongues on the mic. I love worshiping in the spirit. Paul, he tells the church, he says, you know, if you pray in tongues, there's got to be an interpreter.
interpretation and, and then you go, you know, lays out all the rules and then wraps it up and he says, so, so what do we do then? How do we operate then? He says, well, I sing with my spirit, I sing with my understanding. I pray with my spirit and pray. In other words, he, he regulates it, but then at the same time says, yeah, but I still pray in tongues. I still speak in tongues. I worship in tongues. And can I say, there's something about it that lifts the atmosphere of the power of God and there's a, a fire that falls. There was fire. I mean, Father's Day, it's a service... It's never usually fire on Father's Day. It's Father's Day. But you walk in power of God's in the house. We need that. Yeah. It's our only hope for the, the world's. I don't know if you know this. The world's gone a little cooked. We need a church that's got the fire of God in the house. Why? Because when, when people come in bound by the demonic things of this world, they get set free. You walk in here, sickness comes. The power of God's loose in the house. We need the fire of God. There's seven lessons from this burning bush. Seven lessons from the fire of God. And I want to give them to you this morning. If you're writing these down, uh, I pray that God will speak to your spirit. Number one, it might seem random, but just, just let's go on a little journey this morning. Then we'll have Father's Day lunch. We're all going to Pastor Gary's. He's, he's paying. <laughs> he lives on number one, Mount Barker Street, Mount Barker. <laughs> number one, God is self-existent. Somebody say self-existent. This is a lesson from the burning bush. Now, the reason this is significant might be, <coughs> you might not have heard that term, but if you study in Bible college, the doctrine of God, the doctrine of God, one of the, one of the key truths about God is there are absolute attributes that God possesses that only God possesses, and they're the attributes that make Him God. I don't possess these attributes. If I did... I'm God. Uh, I don't, so I'm not. I'll give you a few of them. One of them is he's omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. There's, no, there's nothing on earth or heaven that can match his strength. And so if there was, that actually becomes God because it's stronger than he. So he's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows your innermost thoughts. He, he knows the future. He knows things that haven't yet transpired. He, he, he knows the challenges you face. He knows, the, he, he knows the, the thoughts of your heart. He knows the intents of your heart. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows, he knows the battles. He knows the victories. He, know, he knows everything. He knows tomorrow. He knows what you're going to do. He knew this morning that you were going to come here today, but he knew that before the dawn of time. He knows everything. And so that's why it's important to seek his will, by the way, because he knows what's going to happen down the line. If you're in his will, you walk in his protection and in his grace. But no, but no one else knows what tomorrow holds. Can I just remind you, Satan doesn't know what tomorrow holds. Sometimes we think the devil, the devil's, the devil's good at, at being cunning and making us think he's more powerful than he is. God's not playing catch up with the devil. God defeated the devil 2,000 years ago on Calvary, but God's omniscient. He's omnipotent. And he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. The devil's not omnipresent. Angels are not omnipresent. Demons are not omnipresent. God alone is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's here in Mount Barker. He is in Timbuktu. He's all, he's all over the world. He's everywhere. And you know the beautiful thing about God is everywhere. And when we gather in his name in faith, he manifests his presence and we sense him. And so God's everywhere. I'm just trying to think. That's four. Another one, he's eternal. Uh, he's, always, he's always been uh, he, he, we know he always will be, but try and get your head around the fact that he always was. <laughs> you said it this morning, he's Alpha and Omega. We really do understand Alpha, uh, Omega, but we've got to get our heads around Alpha. My brain can't, in my finite human existence, comprehend the fact that God never started. He's just always been. 
a billion, trillion times infinity years ago, there was God. And he always was. And he always, he always will be. And this whole human experience is but a vapor to God. He's always been. And so omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, eternal, immutable. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He might do some things with different methods and operate slightly differently in different dispensations. We don't have to sacrifice bulls and goats because the blood has made a way. But at the same same God, he's still Elohim. He's still Holy God. He's still Jehovah Jireh. He doesn't change. He's immutable. Hebrews 13, 8, one of my favorite scriptures. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's good news, by the way. So (laughs) they're his attributes. We don't have those attributes. But the other attribute of God that, that makes him God is he is self-existent. So this morning I woke up, I had to have my coffee, had to have a little bit of brekkie to just get enough gas in the tank to do this day. And, and, and so we all do. I need oxygen to breathe. I need sun. I need water. I need food. I need, I need all that supply. God doesn't need any of that. And when you think about that, there's nothing external that he needs to sustain him. If there was, that becomes God. Is this making sense this morning? And so when we see that burning bush, <coughs> the, the thing that stood out to Moses is while it was on fire, it wasn't consumed. God didn't need that bush to be fire. He could have just put a wall of fire. He just chose to put his fire on that, never consumed any of it. But it was a sign and a wonder to Moses. When the fire of God comes on us and God uses us, he doesn't actually consume us. We get the privilege of just being anointed with this fire to do what God's called us to do. If we could have fire in this church, we, we, we would have such a move of God. And, and you don't have to advertise a fire. We don't have to have a marketing strategy for a fire. You get a church on fire, something's going to happen. If, if this place caught fire this morning, there's an exit sign there. There's one there. There's one there. You know, we get out of here. But, but if, there was, if this place caught fire, you know what else would happen? You'd have helicopters flying over, filming everything. The news would be here. Local church in Mount Barker is set on fire. It's burning down. Fire causes a response that either causes us to go or it causes us to come. And when the fire of God gets on the church, God will use us. God will send us in His anointing. And I'm believing God for a fire to be... Can you say a good amen this morning? Number two, <coughs> we see here, number two, A lesson from the burning bush. Number two, God wants fellowship with us. Verse five, he says, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I kind of elaborated on that. It became his place. It became his space. The place where we stand is holy ground. Can I just say this? We we have these busy lives. You can be busy serving God and not even spending time with God. I can be busy preparing sermons and not falling in love with the Word. I can be busy praying for people but not cultivate. You can be, you can be as dry as a preacher as you can in any other career. And that's why it's so important that we spend time and just draw near to God. Spend time in His presence. Spend time in His anointing. If our entire spiritual experience is what happens here on a Sunday, we're malnourished. Bible talks about daily bread and I want to encourage us 
Let's just stay close to God. Stay in His presence. Get under His anointing. Have encounters with God in your day to day. Spend time with the Holy Spirit. Talk to Him. Get under the power of the Holy Ghost. Let God do something in your life full of the Spirit of God, full of God's anointing, full of God's power, full of God's presence in the name of Jesus. God wants fellowship. He is a relational God. And I believe we are body, soul, and spirit. Tripart. His Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And I've discovered fellowship with God is tripart as well. It's the Word, it's worship, and it's prayer. You get those three things working in our lives. We'll see God do great and mighty things. I've never found uh, time praying ever wasted. I've never found that time with God has ever been a waste. Every time I've spent time in prayer, I can read the Word. And it's amazing. You can read things. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting there's any scripture that's unimportant, but you can read something that may not even seem that relevant to where you're at. It could be he begat them who begat that, and this oxen begat that. Yeah, you, you can get in the word, and but every single bit of the word is breathed by God, and it is always doing something. And I find people go, oh, I struggle to get into the word. Do you know what? You just my advice to people that really struggle with chunks: just read a verse or two, or five, and just think about it all day. Just think about that one verse. See, the, see, I think sometimes we, we go, you get around people, I've read the Bible cover to cover in three months, and you sit there and go, I hate those people. Oh, no, you shouldn't say hate. I, with the love of the Lord, I dislike them bitterly. <laughs> Sorry, that came out wrong. I shouldn't have said hate. My wife, she was here today, she goes, you can't say that. But, but you get it, the Bible says meditate on the word day and night. You know, it's how a cow chews the cud. He eats it, swallows it, and it's a bit gross, but brings it back up, gets more, swallows it again, and they've got like 45 stomachs. Sometimes I feel like I do too. But, but that's, that's, that's a powerful thing, just get in the Word and just let it work on you. Draw a thought. Sometimes I can just have a scripture and it's speaking to me, it's yelling at me. And I'm not saying we shouldn't read a lot of the Word, but don't condemn yourself or lock you into that. Just let, let the Word work in your heart and in your life. In the name, gee, you're awesome. He wants fellowship with us. He wants to walk with us and talk with us. And I, I want to be, be known to God, known by Him, walk with Him, talk with Him, love Him, pray, pray with Him, spend time with Him. It's never wasted. There is always fruit. The Bible talks about the secret place. He says, the Bible says, my Father is in the secret place. That's what the Bible says. Go to the secret place. Your father's already there. Before we go to our secret place, God's already there. And it's amazing if we can forge out a bit of a moment to spend time with God. Jensen Franklin preached a message, the father's waiting. And I I feel like there's times where we come to the presence of God and the father's waiting. He's he's there to talk with us and walk with us. You know, some of this kind of preaching is kind of like, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, I've got to pray more. I'm not here to go pray more. It's not a... It's to, to let you know the time that we actually give to forging time in His presence of fellowship, it's never wasted. There's fruit. It'll, you'll see it in your kids. You'll see it in your finances. You'll see it in your home. You'll see it in your situation. I just want to encourage us as a church, if all we do spiritually is gather here, we're totally missing the fullness of a 
powerful relationship with God where stuff's unlocked, where God will speak to you and God will talk to you and he'll give you a word of wisdom and he'll speak to your heart and then boom, you run with that and blessing and favor come into your life and, and the blessing of God. Can you say a good amen this morning? He wants fellowship with us. I've got to move quick. What t- I don't even know what time I started here. Uh, it's, it's, it's 11.08 on the play school rocket clock. Do they still have the play school rocket clock? I used to hate the flower clock. I thought that was for girls. I wanted the rocket clock. Number three, God is supernatural. Somebody say, God is supernatural. Do you believe that this morning? God is supernatural. He does strange things. He does strange things. There was a manifestation on that bush. It was unusual. When God does supernatural things, he does unusual things. The supernatural side of God is unusual. Maybe you're visiting this morning and you think there's a few unusual things that happen. Praying in tongues, is that unusual? I I think it's, we can admit, we do it, we love it, but it's unusual. But how many know on the other side of some of those things that might seem uncomfortable, when you step into them, they actually feel the most normal of anything we do. We step, the, the normal supernatural things. The Bible calls us a, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a peculiar people. Some of you go, yeah, I know, I'm sitting next to one this morning. You know, they say, you know, they say in every family there's a, there's a weird person. And if you think there's not a weird person in your family, I've got bad news. You're that, there's one in <laughs> There's one in every church. No, there's no weird people in my church. Oh, we need to have a chat. But God's supernatural. He does signs and wonders. He does supernatural things. And our walk with God can be so pragmatic that we don't, we don't believe for supernatural stuff anymore. I'm believing for supernatural stuff. I'm, I'm believing for supernatural increase. I'm believing for supernatural blessing. I'm praying that somehow, because we're joining with you, you're joining with us, the, the, the blessing of association is going to get on both houses. There's going to be increase and in blessing. I pray that you'll have super... I feel like I'm prophesying even right now. God wants to pour out supernatural blessing on every person. Is a super supernatural provision. That there would be no lack. That there would be no sickness. That those things you believe in God for blessing will come into your world. I, was, I walked out of church this morning and a guy chased me out of the building as I'm leaving church down in Adelaide. And he's a great guy, but he's, he's so out of character for him. And he's sort of emotional. And he hands me an envelope with, with $500 in it. And he says to me, he goes, there, there's, and I don't want to be weird, but I, in the service, I was just feeling this. It's in my bag right now. He gives me an envelope with $500. And he says, God told me, woke me up this morning and, and, sa- and said, I, I, you need to gi- I need to give that money, to give it to the pastor, to give to somebody that has a need in the church. And so I got $500. I'm not trying to do a gimmick. It just sort of fell out of my mouth. I just wonder this morning, I'm believing God wants to bless somebody here today. And we'll just hand that to you, Pastor Gary, but maybe somebody that has a need. And and uh, and I'm believing for God's blessing to come into somebody's situation and, and, and just pour it. Do you know what? I'm, I'm not trying to be weird. I'm not trying to... But, but he gives me this. Where is, where is this envelope? Is it here somewhere? My son stole it. No, James has got it. No, so, but I just feel it'd be a blessing to this family right here and, and, and just say, we want to sow into your life and, and, and be a blessing. <laughs> I don't know you guys, but, but I just felt that by the Spirit of God. It's not for me. Mind you, if there's, if there's less than that in the envelope, my son flogged it. He responded to your word of encouragement. You can't steal from this church. James, like, done, I'll take the TV. 
super blessing upon blessing. But I, I want this to be a supernaturally blessed church where, 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 where there's uncommon favour, where you believe God for big things, where you believe God for heaven's provision, where the impossible just becomes normal. Some of you are looking at me this morning like, I want to stir your faith to believe God. Blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon supernatural opportunities where you go, how, how is this even? God is supernatural. He opens doors. He does, he does things. When Jesus turned water to wine, we just go, oh yeah, he turned water to wine. You know, firstly, <coughs> water doesn't just change DNA or what, what molecular structure or chemical structure. Well, you'd know one of those. Yeah, you know everything. Yeah. But literally it changed from one thing to another by, by him getting a bit of obedience and releasing faith. But you know, two, and I'm, I'm off on a tangent, but I, I hope it's okay. Uh, you, 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 I, I read that story and he said, what does he say? The wine gets distributed. They say, you say the best wine till last. Now, I know none of you drink wine up here. We, we, us as Assemblies of God Christians, we've tried to reverse that miracle for 2,000 years. He turned water to wine. We've been turning it back for 2,000 years. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was Maison. He made Maison. Glory to God. How many remember Maison? Yeah, of course. How many, you were 1980s Pentecostals, you all drank your lemon, lime and bitters and thought that you were, that you were living on the edge. You know how long it takes to <coughs> plant a seed, get a good grape ready to make wine from, from planting to harvest would be seven years to get a good seed, to get a good grape. The best wine will take nine years. He does it in the twinkling of an eye. Why? He's supernatural. He has authority outside of time, authority over matter. And, and you might be in a situation where you are, you are five, you've, got a ten, you've made a 10-year mistake in your life. You say it's going to take 10 years to recover from this. Well, we know a God, the great winemaker, who can turn something around in a moment of time. Just to, maybe I'm insecure. Can you clap your hands or do something? Just so I know we're alive. God is supernatural. Somebody say, God is supernatural. <laughs> Number four, God listens and God understands. This is beautiful. Verse seven. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sorrow. Yeah. Number nine, now therefore behold the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. Yeah. They're suffering. God in heaven sees it. And while they're suffering, while they're in pain, a guy in the back blocks of the, uh, uh, of the desert. God turns up in a burning bush and starts speaking to him. He's hearing, you need to go. I am that I am has sent you. You go in my name. Over there, they're suffering. They're, they're, Pharaoh's taking, taking, was he taking hay so they couldn't even make straw? They, so they couldn't even make the bricks properly. And he's just making it harder for them for no reason. And, and while they're suffering right here, oh, this, this blesses my heart. Little did they know that God was starting to work some things. God was starting to put his anointing on somebody. But he said, I've heard their cry. And when God hears your cry, he's going to talk to somebody. I wonder if you and I are Moses in this story. If we're able to heed the voice of God where God says, I want you to be a blessing to somebody. I want you to help somebody. There's people that are hurting. They need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And You know, you might be sitting here today and you're just going through a foul time. I want to remind you, he listens, yeah. and he hears your cry. 
But can I say, we need to direct, and I'm not using the word cry as in the actual emotion of crying, but I'm not deleting that from here either. There's more than just like the crying. It's more crying out to God and saying, God, hear my cry. Hear the cry of my heart. I need you. I need you to act. And right now, you might be in the middle of a storm. We, we, we run a tight ship in that kid's church, by the way. <laughs> Spare the rod, spoil the job. You might be in the middle of an incredibly difficult season. But can I say, you just don't know what God is working on your behalf, even right now. I don't know what you're facing, but what I do know is you might be here and life stinketh. But over here, God is starting to work things out. Don't underestimate. The problem is, this is the problem with us. Is we have, we, we, we've got microwaves, everything's instant, Uber eats. But I, my encouragement to us as a church is to remember uh, that, that, that sometimes things take a little while. And God's forming things. And God's working things. And in the middle of a storm, I hope this is blessing somebody today. I want to speak to your spirit. Because can I say, this job, being a pastor, I don't know why we were crazy enough to ever sign up for it. It's not easy. And there's disappointment. There's stuff that you go, God, I don't see a way through. But somewhere else, God's just working some things. There was a little thing this week. It was just a small thing. It wasn't even a big thing. It wasn't even a negative thing. It was just... Something that I was wondering what would happen. And then I spoke to a person related to that situation. He says, for the last few months, God's been speaking to me about X, Y, Z. And it's amazing how, aside from me, you think about Cornelius' house. God's speaking to Cornelius so clearly. And at the same time, he's speaking to Peter. And there was a moment where both of their yieldedness met and God did something. I just want to remind you, God, God, God listens, God understands. Just for one minute, I've got, I've got three more points and they'll be fast, but just, we don't need a piano or anything like that, just one minute. Just close your eyes for a minute. If there's something you're carrying that's a burden, I want you to lift your hands to God. We're going to give it to him this morning. I'm believing God's going to intervene on our behalf. Father, in Jesus' name, can I pray for you? Father, in Jesus' name, by the Spirit of God, would you touch it? Lord, let your anointing come upon her. Father, blessed, 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 blessed. Work things for her good, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Turn some things around by the mighty power of the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. Lord God, I release that anointing in here today. Right across this house. Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, you listen and you understand. And Father, we lift those things to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord God, across this house, I declare over your people this morning the blessing and the favor of God. Lord, let it be done. I thank you that right now, even in our storms, you're working some things on our behalf. Even though we don't know it, deliverance has already started. In the name of Jesus. That's a, that's a word for somebody this morning. While they were in captivity, God was already ordaining their deliverance. Isn't that good news? That'll, that'll, that'll fire you up. Number, number five, God transforms. Now, this is, this, is the, this is actually the thought that got me in this message. And it's not my thought. Does anyone know Pastor Danny Guglamucci? Does anyone know him? Here's the... He's like Adelaide's most, oh, I don't even know. He's like the godfather, I reckon. He's, he's, but he's, he's, he's the guy that'll, 
that'll, he walks in a room, you just, you just feel like, man, this guy loves me more than any other human on the planet. You know it's not true, but you feel it all at the same time. Oh, he's awesome. But we, 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 we had to work together on something in recent times. And, and he was just talking to me about a burning bush. And this is actually what led me to study this passage and just spend some time. And he was talking about, so this, this point is not mine, it's Danny Gould's. But do you know something? I'm not going to give him any money for this thought because <laughs> this is how copyright works. You've just got to copy it right. That's all. But, but he said, he's, he says, <coughs> oh man, I'm preaching myself happy this morning. He, he talks about how Moses, we know the story, he murdered this man who was mistreating another, another man. Murders him. Good old-fashioned Take the law into your own hands, murder. Now, we don't recommend that here at Infused Church. Revival City Church, we do recommend it. But <laughs> not at all, not at all, I'm being silly. But this story is powerful because the reason he did it, the right part of him was grieved and he took things into his own hands, but he murdered and he hurt. But when the fire of God came on him, when he had an encounter with the fire of God, that same justice, heart of deliverance was still in him. But instead of it causing harm to one, it brought deliverance to millions. What, how we are wired, one touch of the fire of God, God will take us from, oh man, this is good stuff. It's a shame that the best point this morning is not mine, but can you just encourage me? Anyway, it's amazing how God can take your madness, your stuff, how you're wired, put the fire of God on it, and then you become a deliverer. Whatever it is that God's called you to, in your own strength, you actually can do damage with your gifts. I mean, you can still do good. But when that gift comes in contact with the fire of the Holy Ghost... We can change our world. I wonder if we really want that anointing. I, I know I do. One touch of the power of God. You know, I, 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 I want to be a dad to my kids. I want my son to see the power of God. And I was preaching for, there's a young pastor in our city, Sam Long. He's got a church called Nova Church. Your brother was running that service last Sunday night. And I preached there at four o'clock. This thing's a move of God, but we won't promote it any further. <laughs> you, you'll hate it. Don't go. So... But at the end, I just had a word of knowledge. It wasn't even, I didn't even think of it as a word. I just said, there's someone here. And you've you got a parent that's terminally ill. They need a miracle, which is not something I typically say. And this young girl came, and there was a couple of others that came forward. And I get in the car afterwards, and James goes to me, he goes, that's clearly a word of knowledge, Dad. And I thought to myself, I, n- I, never, I never wanted to, like I didn't, I wanted those things for my son to experience, but I never even put the two together. You get in a meeting, the fire of God's present, and to see my little nine-year-old start to process and go, okay, that's the power of God. That's that's what the fire does. Little things that we almost take for granted. When we stay close to fire, our kids will see God working in our lives. I think it's so important. I just... Preaching this today, I just feel like God's touching me up here, by the way. This, this whole service has had something special on it from the, mo- from the moment it started. Would you come, breath of God? Yeah. Number six, I'm nearly done. 
Dean's been taking notes back there. He looks pretty fatigued. So <laughs> he's just not used to this level of theology. Dean, Dean's down here. Is this what I spoke at Bible college this week? No, I don't think it was. I can't remember. Praise the Lord. Number six, God, God always has an assignment. Every one of you have a call of God. Is it Timothy that says we're not just saved, but we're saved and we are called? Your assignment. What are you on the planet for? Our assignment, I believe our assignment, Moses tapped into his assignment when he came near the fire. I always tell people, I believe your assignment is actually the problem that God's called you to solve. Every great success is a problem that God called us to solve. Like you think about everything in this room. I mean, the weather gets hot. So someone decided to invent air conditioning and a fan. That that person saw a problem, but he saw an answer. Everything in our life. Our ministries, I believe there's a problem in the church. The church needs a fire of God. So I feel like God's called me to take the message of revival to the body of Christ and see God do something. I don't really want to do much else. That's my assignment. But God's who started the pantry up here? Can I just say, was that, was that, where is Lisa? Is she in the room? She's in the, Lisa is awesome. And, and, and so, but, but what is it? There's a problem. The community needs something. Let's fix it. Let's help. Some of us, we go, I want to be Benny Hinn, or I want to be Joyce Meyer, or I want to, I want to be, I want to be, I think the first step is just, what's in front of you? Is there a need? Does it, does it witness with your spirit that maybe you're the answer to that need, and can we go and do something about that? I, I believe we all have an assignment. We all have a call from God. For Moses, he was a deliverer. Some of you are worshippers, some of evangelists, some in business. Some at home, some teachers, some creative. I find our assignment is connected to our frustrations. And I want to encourage you, let the fire of God speak to you. I think there's people here today, if I was to be a bit prophetic, you're just on the edge. What, what, am, I, what am I doing in my walk with God, in my ministry? You just You might feel a bit unsettled. And do you know, oftentimes people get unsettled and the first thing they do is they move churches. And, and I'm not trying to control people to stay in a church, but it's so, get frustrated, move churches. Then they'll move again. Then they'll move again. Because often, oftentimes we, we, we're in church and we sort of put our frustration on the church. I, I truly believe that church should be a place that releases people into the call of God. And, and find, find a spot, find a gap, let God speak to you. Don't, don't keep moving because Christians don't put their roots down. Pot plants don't grow that big. They, they, they grow a certain and they have a level. And that's often what Christians do. They, they're pot plant Christians. They move from one place to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. Yeah. Their roots don't go down, so their potential's here. And they live so frustrated. I've met Christians so frustrated. And, and, and that frustration, it's a holy thing. It just needs to be directed to the right place. Yeah. If you're here and you're a mature believer and you've got some frustration, I believe that's actually God's call to say, there's something I need you to do. There's people I need you to reach. There's something that God wants to do. Push through it. Push through it and say, God, use me. If you can use anything, you can use me. Can I say, I'm the pastor of my church and I'm frustrated. I don't think there's more frustrated. You might sit here frustrated. Let me tell you, the pastor's always a lot more frustrated than you are. I live frustrated. Well, you know, we get a brand new fence. Burglars come steal our shed. How do they get the shed off the property to cut a hole in our new fence? I mean, 
And I walk, drive, the fence still isn't fixed. Why is it not fixed? We've we got to wait on insurance to fix the fence. Oh, gosh, would you? Father, help me. So now I just go to church blindfolded. <laughs> Number seven, Dean, if you can come, brother. By the way, I, I, I love Dean O'Keefe. He's my, he's my mate. He's a man of God. I thank God for him. Number seven, and I'm done. God delegates authority. He, said, he, said, he says, basically Moses questions, how do I communicate this? He says, tell them I am has sent you. Can I just say something about I am? If one of the names of God is I am, if one of the names of God is I am, then I believe we have to be careful how we use that name. Well, I am a failure. Hang on a second. You've got to be careful. <laughs> I'm defeated. Be careful. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make something that's not there, but I just want to throw an idea out there for your consideration. That, and he said, I am. They came to arrest Jesus in the garden, Dean. And they said, are you the Christ? What did he say? I am. Do you know how many there were? There was, they say 750 came to arrest Jesus. He said, I am. They all fell to the ground under the power. I mean, that's a, it's a powerful name. When he says, I am, he means business. He's the, he, and he's the great I am. And you know, in him, there's a lot of I ams. I'm an overcomer. I am a new creation. I'm a brand new man. I am full of power by the Spirit of God. I am anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. I am blessed. I am favored. And you know, in church this morning, we, we got, we, we've got the authority of the great I am. Delegate. Pastor Gary tells stories about when he was in the police force. And, and what, I, what, what I love is he tells the real stories too, by the way. I, 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 if, if ever you want to have a great afternoon, just ask him. I won't even give any more elaboration because of live stream. But once it's off, I'll tell you all about it. But, <laughs> but there's, all, there's always a story. And, 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 but you know, Pastor Gary right now could stand on that freeway put up his hand and try and wave down a truck or wave down a bus, it'll keep going. But you put him in the same uniform that he'd wear. And that's the only difference. That truck will stop because the uniform, the badge specifically, is delegated authority. So when he says stop, it's not Gary saying stop. It's the full force of the law and the weight of South Australia that says stop. And when he, when he when he says stop, that truck's not submitting to Gary's stature. That truck is submitting to delegated authority. And you know, you and I have delegated authority called the name of Jesus. So when Satan, and Satan's an idiot. We know Satan's an idiot. Write that down. <laughs> What's your takeaway from, what was your takeaway from today? Satan's an idiot. But when the devil does his stuff, you know, he can beat me up. He can do, it, do what he wants. But the minute I exercise the name of Jesus, whoo, this is good news on Father's Day. Release that name. It's not my authority. It's his. So Moses says, go, go into Pharaoh's court. Say, let my people go. How do I do that? In my authority. Church, we need to walk in supernatural authority. Know that we carry the anointing of God. Well, I'm done. I'll, I'll release everyone. I won't keep you any longer. It's been such a joy to be here today. Can we, can we all stand right across the room?
if we can. Let's lift up our hands to God. Father, we love you. We bless you. We adore you. We thank you. You are good. You are kind. And Lord, we're so blessed. So blessed, so blessed, so blessed, so blessed, so blessed. Blessed and highly favoured of God. Oh, we love you, Jesus. You know, there's a thousand things I could pray for. I don't know what part of that message spoke to you, but if, if you need something from heaven, just lift your hands to God. We're going we're gonna to call it in by faith. You need a miracle. You need an answer to prayer. <coughs> Father, in Jesus' name, miracles today. Miracles, 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 miracles. Miracles in the name of Jesus. By the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. Amen.